the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degeneration? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the college football Pac-12 betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. 12 Pac-12 teams to get to. It's very nice. It's actually numerically accurate, but won't be for long. Colin, you ready to talk some neon Dion? Dion Sanders. Dion Sanders. Dion Sanders. Dion Dion saluting as he goes. Wouldn't you know he'd find a way. Dion Sanders. It's my favorite conference of all the Power Five. It's not even close. There's so much offense. There's so many characters that head coach. There's so many moving parts. You and I can't even cut a podcast without Colorado making a grand exit. Are the Bretts reporting on us? And. I don't know where they're going to be on TV, what channel or where I'm going to be streaming this damn conference, but man, the quality of play is going to be so fantastic on offense out of this conference. Yeah. I'm extremely excited for the PAC 12 this year. Can't say that about every year, but I think this is the strongest the league has been in a while. Six teams finished in the top 20 last year, just like the ACC betting preview that we just caught. No more divisions in the PAC 12, which I love. So that impacts how we are going to crack the code on figuring out who will play in the Pac-12 championship. Some uh, little lay of the land. There are three new head coaches, Arizona State, Stanford, and Colorado. Six new offensive coordinators, five new defensive coordinators, six potential new quarterbacks. That's half the teams. Four teams have the same head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and quarterback. That's Washington, USC, Utah and Arizona. Three teams are brand new. Wipe the slate clean. New head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, quarterback. That's Arizona State, Stanford, and Colorado. Yeah, the biggest question when it comes to the Pac 12, as always, can they avoid cannibalization and finally get a team into the college football playoff once again? Utah is actually looking for a three peat in the Pac 12, which would be the first team to do so since Oregon did it in between 2009 and 2011. It's worth noting that some teams have five Pac-12 home games. Some teams have four. The teams with five conference home games are USC, Utah, Oregon, Arizona State, Stanford, and Washington. Your other teams only have four, Cal, Arizona, Colorado, Washington State, UCLA, and Oregon State. You'll notice that most of the top teams in the conference have five home games. I personally think that the schedule losers were Cal, Arizona, Cal and Arizona, the schedule winners, probably Oregon State, which we'll get to. And then there's five, I think right now, currently, some are closer than others, quarterback battles, which we'll touch on, Oregon State, UCLA, Cal, Arizona State, and Stanford, pretty high percentage of teams of quarterback battles. Your other quarterbacks, very strong, like it's a strong quarterback conference this year with, you know, 
Delora, obviously Caleb Williams, probably number one in the draft. Bo Nick season in full effect. Forgot we got we have him. We'll be talking about. It's Bo time. Boom. Like a powder keg in your mouth. Southern style. You know Cam Rising and his injury status. We have Sanders at Colorado. Cam Ward, your boy is back. Michael Penix. I mean, some really strong quarterbacks, and then some quarterback battles. We'll get to all of that, starting with the top of the league, and let's start with. USC win total over 10 minus 110 plus 200 to win the Pac 12 at BetMGM, the official sponsor of Big Bets on Campus podcast. We know that we hated USC last year. They drive, drove us nuts with a plus 22 turnover margin. Certainly some regression coming in that aspect, but the offense should once again be absolutely electric, led by Caleb Williams, although they bring in. Cliff Kingsbury to the staff, who, if you listen to our NFL podcast, we are not fans of. Cliff Kingsbury. So, I, I mean, do we fade USA just because Kingsbury is there? I can tell you that this team should start 6-0. San Jose State, Nevada. San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford at home, then Arizona State, Colorado on the road, then Arizona at home. Should start 6-0. We'll see if Alex Grinch's defense can improve. We could see. We'll see if some potential transfers, maybe three on the offensive line can fill in for some of the losses there because then if they do get things right. They're going to need to, because the back half of the schedule is brutal at Notre Dame. Then Utah at home should be a much healthier Utah at Cal tricky spot. Although Cal stinks Washington at home at Oregon and then UCLA at home, which isn't really, you know, a home game when you're playing UCLA biggest questions here for USC. Will the offensive line come together? Lost some really talented guys there. Can the D improve at all? How bad will the regression hit? And will Cliff Kingsbury poison the locker room? What are your thoughts on USC, Colin? It took a lot to get this team where they were last year. A lot of turnovers, a lot of unbelievable. I mean, we're talking passes and tip balls that went straight into the hands of defenders. And, you know, I, I had under nine and a half on these guys last year. And you can't say anything bad again about the offense. The offense is a well-oiled machine with Caleb Williams. Um, you know, they have one of the best running backs. He was a backup last year, Austin Jones. Uh, you know, they're, they have a guard, Jared Kingston, offensive tackle, Jonah, Mon- Jonah Monheim. Um, they are they also brought in some good transfers. They got some five stars in there. The, the offense will be ridiculous again. They it's remind me of, yeah, they remind me of LSU. They're loaded everywhere at every position. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, they went out and got Mason Cobb. Oh, Mason Cobb told me it, it in media days. Go ahead if you're burning your, ding, ticket, ding. your tickets. Yeah. Uh, Mason Cobb was in media days, uh, sitting next to Caleb Williams and said, Listen, I wanted to leave Oklahoma State and I wanted to get best prepared for the NFL, and USC was it. So, you know, him, Bear Alexander are going to make this a formidable defense. So it's hard to fade USC when they actually have defensive pieces coming in to take over for a rank that was 127th in defensive success rate, 121st in defensive finishing drives. Alex Grinch has got to improve those aspects of the USC defense. It's got some pretty good players there underneath it. Still, at the same time, with all of that said, you know, third in portal rankings, eighth in national recruiting. I only have these guys just shade over nine wins. I don't have them even at nine and a half where you can get heavy juice going to the under. Um, you know, there was a lot of things, a lot of indicators here that say that they can't repeat what they did last year. And most of it was tied to second order win total, turnover regression, 
Um, you know, only 68% of the defense when you look at experienced snaps coming back. There is a massive improvement in the amount of offenses, the potency of the offenses are going to be taking on. Um, and then, you know, this schedule is not easy. At Oregon is not an easy, you know, I mean, that what's that total going to be? 77 in the new world uh, with the clock changes? UCLA is not a gimme at the end of the year. At Notre Dame in the middle of your conference schedule before you go to Utah, I'm sorry, before you host Utah, it's not an easy schedule whatsoever. And taking that all in, there's going to be some coin flip games on the schedule, and that's how I got to nine wins. And so I would say the play is an under, and it's a very uncomfortable under because of how explosive these guys are. Yeah, I mean, I will say that the, the road league slate is favorable outside of that Oregon, but you, you're at Cal, you know, you only have four road games. You're at Cal, you're at Colorado, at Arizona State, but you do have to go to, to Notre Dame, and then you have UCLA at home, which is kind of like a neutral game, Washington, Utah at home. It's also worth noting that Utah, and, you know, and at Arizona State, that could be a tricky game. Their first road game, it, weird things happen down there, but I, I do think that they'll start 6-0. and Um I'm personally really I'm under 10, but really close. There's there's nothing for me. But we're not gonna we might not learn learn a lot about the defense. Mm, I mean, because look, San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, nope. at Arizona State, at Colorado to start. Nope. We might not learn a lot until uh maybe at Notre Dame. The other thing is they play Utah Are late. And you, you, is, yeah. is Notre Dame gonna is Notre Dame gonna uh, Yeah, gonna I don't do even that? know Notre Dame. Uh well, Sam Hartman can he might he can put up some numbers against USC, regardless of who he's starting to. But yeah, the Utah, they get Utah later in the year too. And Utah, who we're going to talk about soon, has some injury questions at some key positions early on. So they'll be healthier later in the year. Um, but uh, I don't hate the undercall, especially because Cliff Kingsbury is there. But let's move on to, uh, yeah, let's go to Utah. I think that they're an interesting team. I, I think the way that we'll split this up is you kind of have six teams that are potential contenders in my eyes. Um, and that's USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Oregon, State, and UCLA. Those are all the teams that are at BetMGM right now, 15 to 1 or better odds-wise to win the league. And then you have Washington State, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Stanford, who are all 30 to 1 or lower. So we'll kind of start just like we did with the ACC. It's, but this is all just, all right, who can we make a case for? I don't see any value in USC at plus 200. You like the under 10. Don't mind that at all. Let's talk right. Utah. Really interesting team. They're over eight and a half plus 115. Five to one to win the conference. They're going for a three-peat, as I mentioned earlier, at BetMGM. Should be really strong in the trenches. Um, you know, do lose a really good cornerback in Clark Phillips, but the defense should be loaded, starting with that defensive line. It brings back seven of the top eight. Uh, add a uh, linebacker from Stanford who also should help. I also like the addition, which will go under the radar, of their, of their kicker, which is going to help their kicking game, which was pretty messy last year. The offensive line is also really deep. That the you know their tight ends are going to be great as always, even though they lost Kincaid. The tight end room is still strong. Running back room is strong. I do have some questions about wide receiver, but I think this all comes down to the quarterback. And you know you also have Guthy, their their star tight end. Has some injury questions, but it looks like he's going to be ready to go by week one. Cam Rising's health is very important. And the reason, you know, he obviously is recovering from a serious injury. 
And I believe that Kyle Whittingham said as early as I think in the last day or two, he's like, it's going to come down to the wire. Why is that important? And I think the line ticked down a little bit today. Uh, they Because they play Florida. They host Florida at home in week one. And they're at Baylor. So it's not like you have a, a couple weeks like some of these teams where you're playing no one early on. Having Cam Rising available or not like for Florida and at Baylor, um, you know, and even if it stretches into, you know, you get Weber State, but then you have UCLA and at Oregon State, they got a really tough early schedule. So if, I, if, if I'm going to bet anything, um, I'm going to bet under on Utah just for the chance that Cam Rising isn't fully healthy either all season or especially early on because their schedule is tough. The teams that they don't play on the out of the Pac-12 are Washington State and Stanford. That's not great. They go to USC. They go to Washington, to Oregon State with that brutal non-conference schedule. But this is a lot of this is going to come down to Rising's health. Yeah, Utah's going to be tough to play at home. Their trenches are going to be great. The defense is going to be solid as always. But with Rising's injury status, could be a, a rougher year than we're used to seeing from Utah, who usually overperforms. What are your thoughts on your beloved Utes? Did you say Utes? Yeah, Utes. For the conference as a whole, the way that you handicap the Pac-12 is you look at who has the best defensive front sevens. Those defensive front sevens are going to be able to shut down all this quarterback love that you're going to hear on this podcast. There's only four teams in this conference that are going to field a quality defensive front seven that's going to be able to get stops, keep the, you know, keep the chains from moving, force punts. USC was one, and we just talked about them. The second one is Utah. Utah is expected to have the best defensive front seven in this conference, led by interior tackle junior Tafuna. Tafuna. I don't expect any drop-off from the defense. Stuggy's right. I mean, this is all about Cam Rising. And to go a little bit further, Whittingham comes out of Pac-12 Media Days, immediately lets it go that this is going to come down to the wire. So what do I do? I go immediately talk to Cam Rising. Have you done anything? Have you lifted a weight? Have you walked up and down the sidewalk? He's done nothing. And, um, you know, he has been told to lay off this, lay off that, no any exercise whatsoever. Uh, I think there's been a lot of video game playing, a lot of waiting to get the clearance to even try any kind of activity. Once that was said, some other unnamed coaches decided to tell me that by now he would at least be doing something with team activities inside the facility and he's doing nothing. So you could see the, not, the line against Florida tick down. There is a very educated guess from some of the people uh, at Pactual Media Days that Cam Rising is not going to play at all. Uh, considering Kyle Whittingham's penchant for wanting to win the Pac-12, what's the purpose of putting him out there against Florida, Baylor, or Weber State, which is a really good FCS program? So I think you would be right in playing the win total under, but at the same time, are we going to have fresh legs for Cam Rising when he plays UCLA on September 23rd? Does that keep him fresh for the rest of the schedule? Probably so. This is the best defensive front seven. I do like them, but you're not winning games without Cam Rising. Uh, especially when your main weapon is your tight end. Um, and so for that reason, and Utah's a heavy tight end, there is a plus 280 out there for Utah to make the championship game. I'm not saying win the whole conference. I'm not saying you're going to three-peat. But to make the championship game allows me to take out that cam rising front end of the schedule in the non-conference and allows me to pivot off you in a schedule that concludes with Arizona and Colorado. So I like Utah plus 280 to get into the Pac-12 championship game. 
Colin finds a way to back his beloved Utes in the futures market while also uh, saying that the under is not a bad look of the win total. So I was wondering how you were going to come all the way back full circle and back your Utes, but there you go. Plus 280. Yeah, they should have a top 10 defense. Offensive line is super deep. Um, but it'll come down to Cam Rising. But you're right. He should, based on the timeline, he should be go good to go by um, the time that league play rolls around. There is also a bye week in week six, um, which could also really help. Let's go to another team in that upper echelon, and let's talk some Bo Nick season in full effect. Bo Nick season in full effect. Oregon. Over nine and a half plus 105 win total plus 300. The second favorite to win the Pac 12 at Ben MGM. Bo Nix is back. However, Kenny Dillingham is out. Will Stein is in from UTSA. We know Bo Nix with Kenny Dillingham is a god. Without him is not. And Kenny Dillingham, who we'll talk about in a bit after a very successful year with that Oregon offense, has moved on to stayed in the conference, gone to Arizona State as their new head coach. The D really struggled last year. They couldn't generate any pressure. They only had 18 sacks. The really count, there's a lot of talent on the back end, even though, you know, you, you lost, uh, I mean, look at some of the talent that they had on that team that they lost. It's amazing how much they, they struggled. I mean, look, you lose a cornerback to the first round. You lose your free safety as a leading tackler. You lose your uh, linebacker, your best pass rusher, you know, a really good defensive tackle, but the defense really struggled, especially against the pass. The question is, can Dan Lanning in year two improve that defense, brought in a new new defensive coordinator who we like, which should help just, I think, communication and in the, on the back end. What do you see from this Oregon team? Bo Nix back year two of Dan Lanning, but Dillingham gone, a lot of ducks left via the portal into the NFL draft, but they also brought in a lot of talent. So a lot of moving parts here. What do you see here for a team that, you know, the teams that they don't get on the Pac-12 schedule are Arizona and UCLA, mixed bag league schedule. I mean, they're at Washington. They are at Utah. They host USC and Oregon State. I think the biggest questions are, okay, the new offensive coordinator, new offensive line as well. And then how do these def- these transfers and year two of landing translate to potentially a more efficient defense? What do you see with the Ducks here? Well, it makes sense why Dan Landing went out and got Will Stein. And everything that I could collect says that this offense is not going to change what Kenny Dillingham was going to do. So, you know, I even got really into like tempo with this team because the Bonix, Kenny Dillingham, Ducks, Last year, we're about 52nd in, in uh, tempo. Will Stein was a top 25 at UTSA when he was on that staff. So we're going to see a lot of the same stuff. A lot of 11-12, 31% RPO, some play action, inside zone counter. I don't expect a drop-off from the offense whatsoever. Um, can the offensive line keep Bo Nix from having a high ankle sprain or getting hurt to where you and I are scrambling on Saturdays trying to figure out what his status is? That's the question that really relies on. Is Braxton Burmeister back? Is he? Is he transfer back to Oregon? Are we going to have to find out if he's playing? Well, Ty Thompson is still there, but yeah, Braxton Burmeister is on his what eighth year of eligibility. So, so 
The defense is where I really get a little bit shaky. I mentioned with Utah, there's only four defenses in this conference that has a comp, uh, you know, a, a defense good enough to make stops, stop the chains. Oregon is not one of them. Uh, they have a lot of turnover going on there. Um, and, you know, Tosh Lapoy is still on that staff, not able to get it together. 105th in defensive success rate last year, 110th in defensive finishing drives. You do get an outstanding edge position at Brandon Dorless, but it seems like we're in this same conversation, whether it's KV on Thibodeau or it's Dorless. We have outstanding edge pass rushers and we can't stop runs up the gut. And that's going to be a problem in the conference this season. So I am not taking Oregon futures. There's just a lot that could get changed and some wrinkles on the offense that could like what? If you set Oregon back to like the 10th best team in quality drives, doesn't that knock a little bit of their efficiency off? So I would be a little bit worried about that. And, you know, the schedule's not that easy. So I'm going to I'm gonna say under on Oregon. Don't mind the under, even though arguably on paper, yeah, extremely talented team. And, you know, you would expect some improvement from landing in year two. But, um, yeah, I do have more, more questions than I think the market does on Oregon and Bo Nick season. But it should be another exciting year of betting Ducks games. Let's stay up in that region of the United States and talk the Washington Huskies' remarkable turnaround under new head coach Kalen DeBoer last year. Plus 375 to win the Pac-12, one of the favorites. Win total over 9.5, plus 115. Michael Penix is back. An absolutely amazing year under center. Similar to Bo Nix, you know, when he has DeBoer, Good things happen, and he does once again this year. The offense improved from just over 21 points per game to just under 40 last year. Now, the schedule does get a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult. The non-conference is more difficult, and they add Utah and USC, who they didn't have to worry about last year. The offense should be awesome once again. Mentioned Penix, arguably the best wide receiver room in the country with a lot of depth now. Their running back room you got Cam Davis, then you add Nada from Arizona State and Johnson from Mississippi State, loaded there. Interior offensive line, some questions, but I think they'll be just fine. The biggest questions are on defense. Yeah, but I actually like where the defense is headed. They're, they're going to be really good off the edge. Um, I like their linebackers. The biggest question is in the secondary. You, know, you lose two or three corners. But you do return both safeties. I like what they're how they're going to move some of the guys around. You had Muhammad from Oklahoma State. And there was a big transition schematic schematically from what they were doing under Jimmy Lake to what they wanted to do last year. And you saw some of the improvement down the stretch for this Washington defense, which was horrendous early in the season. I think the defense, which is going to be better, this offense is going to be right there. And DeBoer is just one of those coaches I trust. So I don't show a ton of value, um, but it's over or nothing here uh, for me with Washington. It should be right in the mix once again. What do you see here with the Huskies? This is tough because I love Washington as much as any other team in this conference is here. This is a team that was number one in offensive havoc allowed. They do not make mistakes. They do not let defenses play in the backfield. They do not beat themselves at any aspect of the game on offense. They return 92% of a machine that just produced available yards and scores everywhere. They were second in the nation, offensive finishing drives, 
Anytime they got past the 40, there were six points going up on the board. I don't see anything about that stopping. 76% of the offensive line snaps return. Kalen DeBoer is 90 and 11 straight up as a head coach. I mean, this guy just wins. And Michael Penix, that's all he does. Covers too. He covers too. Covers too. So I I don't expect any drop off on the offense. Now I mentioned that there's four teams that can play defense and defensive front seven. Washington is one of those. Not as highly projected on defense as USC and Utah and Chuck Morrill's year two of his of his scheme, but they are good enough to get some stops. I expect a lot of shootouts with, you know, the upper echelon of the Pac-12. So, Stuck, I think you're right. Like the win total is is priced so high, it's hard to say over. The Pac-12 championship game number is so low that there's not a lot of value in it when you got a lot of big games. So when I found value was the game of the year against USC. Uh, I actually project that as the Trojans being a small favorite, less than three. And the number out, and it's just going to be a game just full of rocket fuel fireworks, unbelievable, right? I expect shots. Total of 80. Yeah. But the game of the year out there is Washington plus six. I'm taking that. I'm scooping that. I'm taking that all day. Give me the Huskies plus six in a game that if you want to bet. Best team with the ball wins. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you like Washington do anything this year, they have to have that game. So I'll take Washington plus six at Stanford the week before. Come on, they get a bye week. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Before we go any further, as a reminder, big bets on campus is presented by bet MGM. So get it on the action with the king of sports books, sign up with bet MGM using bonus code action and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's move on to two teams that we think might potentially have value from a semi-long shot perspective, we'll start with Oregon State. Find them 10, 11 to 1. Win total over 8.5, plus 115. Is this a DJU podcast? He does return to the West Coast behind an elite offensive line and a what should be an elite run game. You know, this could be like a very diverse run game with play a heavy play action with Martinez and that great offensive line, the defense, uh, I'm a big 
you know, Trent Bray guy who's great in his first year. They do have to find some new pieces at linebacker. They have to replace both starting cornerbacks. But I'm higher on the defense than the market. And I don't have as many questions as some. I like Julian returning from injury at safety as well. You know, you had a, a linebacker from Wyoming who I think will help. I do, I do really their, their safety tandem might be really special. But the uh, cornerback and inside linebacker are certainly there's certainly questions there. But I, why do I like Oregon State as a potential long shot from a futures perspective? Well, you know, this is a team that's on the rise. I, I love their staff. They finished number ranked number 17 highest since 2000 last year. But number one, they they're so they're priced in the 10 to 11 to one range, which is enough for me to, you know, get, gets me out of bed. Their biggest question last year, and like what kind of held them back, was quarterback play. And they bring DJU over from Clemson. I was not a big DJU guy, mainly just because of that Clemson offense. And he has some things he has to work out. But the talent is there. The offensive line is there. The run game is there. A new scene, a better scheme. If the upside there is enormous, right? If it hits, it could go. It could go way wrong. And then you could have you know, Golberson back in there uh, or a freshman, but that's what I'm looking for in a, in a, in a future is okay. If DJU hits and the upside and he actually realizes the upside with this new, you know, with a great offensive line, new scheme, new scene, less pressure, right. On the West coast, then this is a team that will have ample opportunities to get to the PAC 12 championship game because they won the lottery, the schedule lottery, in my opinion. Number one, they avoid USC. They also avoid Arizona State for what it's worth. They get the two worst teams in the Pac-12 in Colorado and Stanford. And they get Utah, UCLA, and Washington all at home. So this, if DJU hits, then you know there might be some growing pains early. You know, you're going to face San Jose State, UC Davis, and San Diego State early on before you go to Washington State, get Utah at home at Cal. Really, I think there's a chance to build some momentum here, but that's what I'm buying. I'm buying the upside of DJU, the schedule lottery, and Jonathan Smith to continue this momentum that he's building in Corvallis. So, uh, yeah, from a future perspective, I think Oregon State's worth a shot at double digits, you know, 10, 11 to 1 or better. Thoughts on that? And then go into your spiel on why UCLA might be worth a look at even a better price of, I think, currently 14 to 1 at BetMGM. Oregon State is going to be a serious problem for a lot of teams in this conference. There are only three rush defenses on this schedule that can try to put a stop to this. That's Utah, UCLA, and Washington. I don't think the other nine teams on Oregon State's schedule have a chance. They are going to run the ball down people's throats. They are going to hog clock. And, I mean, this is what Jonathan Smith does. 33-22 and against the spread as a head coach. And they get 79% of their offense back. And we mentioned Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick are going to be running inside outside zone with DJU, who I believe is averaging more than three yards after contact at Clemson when they would do the same inside zone with him. DJU podcast. I don't know. We could probably cool it off on that, but from a running perspective, this is a serious problem for these PAC 12 defenses. Uh, and, who, and are the, so who are the three teams you said could, could sell it? The only the three teams on this entire schedule that have a defensive front seven that can try to stop 
DJ and Fenwick and Damian Martinez is Utah, UCLA, and Washington. That's the where only. Are the, where, where are those three games played? All yeah, in Corvallis. <laughs> and expanded <laughs> Corvallis now. Expanded stadium in Corvallis now. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, Jonathan Smith has had 13 home games in Reister Stadium the last two years. You know how many of those he covered? All 13. They're, they're impossible to beat at home, unless you're USC and you get six turnovers. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the, so the whole thing with Oregon State is, do I want to partake in this win total, or do I want to pick a team out from their schedule where they're going to be an underdog, but they have a serious advantage in the run game, and there is one game on the schedule, and that team is Oregon in the Civil War. So I'm taking Oregon State game of the year line plus seven and a half against an Oregon front seven that is not going to be able to stop it. And listen, everything I took away from the coaches and speaking with the coaches, Jonathan Smith could not be happier that they're trying to find ways to shave clock and make it shorter games. You think Army has slow games with only seven to eight possessions? What do you think Oregon State is trying to do? They're going to run the ball, kill the clock, pound it, and, the, and keep the other team from having possessions. That's the best way to keep USC from scoring and keep Washington from scoring. Don't let them have the ball. Uh, Oregon State is a serious issue. Do I think they can win the conference? No. The defense will take a step back, only 30% coming back. And, and listen, I'm with you. I love Trent Bray, too. They were 17th in defensive finishing drives. There is a direct correlation between finishing drives and covering games. I love Oregon State. I'm not sure they can put it together for the full part of the schedule. They host everybody in Corvallis. I don't know what's keeping me back from hitting the over. I just believe that a defense that cannot defend their run game is Oregon, and I'm going to take full advantage of it by taking a Beavers game of the year line. Two random things. Braxton Burmeister is signed with the Rams, and he's converting to a wide receiver, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. Um, I did not expect that. He, he to took reps in San Diego State. He took reps yeah. in San Diego State wide receiver. Yeah, but I didn't think he was going to be on an NFL roster as a wide receiver. I don't, I don't We'll see if he makes it. And – Oregon State plays UC Davis in week two at home, and UC Davis is in the same conference as Montana State. Montana State is in Bozeman. I was in Bozeman. It's the weirdest string, but uh, I was in Bozeman a couple weeks ago. You have the cloudy mist. Yeah. I I love the city, but there's a a breakfast place there called Jam. Amazing. Uh, Absolutely amazing. One of the best breakfast places I've ever been to. So if you're ever in Bozeman, the lovely town of Bozeman where Montana State is located uh check out jam uh tons of uh all throughout montana and uh god damn what the hell huckleberry you'll find huckleberry jam all over in montana uh wyoming and it, it's really good but yeah check out that Stuckey's breakfast gas. is there any stuckies gas stations i my wife has like a i found a got went to one like a stuckies bar people will tweet me i've never seen i've never seen one in person so i've never come across one but I get pictures of them all the time. My wife's been the one. They're like famous for like pe- like for pecans, pecans, however anyone pronounces it. Nevada, Nevada, pecan, pecan. Nevada? Are you kidding me? Nevada? I don't know. Right. Anyway, back to so the Oregon State. You don't. I'm taking the future. You're not. But you want to make a case for UCLA? Oh, I love UCLA. Absolutely. Love- and I had a lot of questions heading in before I talked to Chip Kelly. Uh, they were tenth in the portal ranking, so that means there's a lot of new faces. Where did you talk to Chip Kelly? I talked to Chip Kelly at media days, in case anybody ding, didn't ding, know. Ding, ding. Uh, over, so, over eight and a half uh, minus one twenty. By the way, just to set you up, yeah. uh, quarterback battle. DTR is gone, and there is a quarterback battle. It's it looks the like Colin Schley from Kent State was originally going to be in there, but it looks like it's just going to come down to the stud freshman 
more. And then Garber, who I think has the lead right now. Uh, they avoid Oregon and Washington on the schedule. They should go 6-0 and at home, but it is a pretty brutal road slate. They got Utah, Oregon State, and UC- USC on the road. Um, and you also have a, a weird game at San Diego State in week two. One of my uh, – I love all these games this year, like of the Power 5 teams going on the road. Uh, like Alabama going to USF, hilarious game. Um, but uh, biggest question, like who wins the quarterback battle? Like Garber is more solid, more like the upside of more. Holy shit. We'll see if he wins it. And then new defensive coordinator, his impact, the transfers there. There is partly a significant rebuild on the offensive side. But what do you see with the Bruins? Yeah, the offensive side, there's a lot of new names in places, which is why you're going to find UCLA priced at what they are, is because people just don't recognize Dante Moore. Or maybe they do know who Colin Schley is from Kent State and just don't believe that he can produce. Maybe they don't know who Carson Steele is. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly told me that UCLA, the players and the staff know Maction better than any other team in college football because they watch him from the facility on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Uh, and when I believe Chip Kelly's quote was when when Crocky J hit the transfer portal, I immediately took a flight to Muncie, Indiana. He wanted Carson Steele pretty bad and they got him through the portal. Uh, the guy is an absolute uh, bowling ball going to run over everybody with blonde flowing hair. He's perfect for Hollywood considering he's got a pet alligator and everything. Um, I have faith with this quarterback stable of, of Garber, Schley and Dante Moore. I'm really not worried at all. Ryan Gunderson came in as the quarterback coach a couple of years ago. We were hot on here on the podcast two years ago. And I said the DTR's numbers would massively improve. They did. I'm not worried about it. You got Ryan Gunderson on staff. I'm good with the offensive side of the ball. They're going to be able to move people around. They have the best center in the conference and Duke Clemens. He's returning for a fifth season. He's going to anchor that offensive line that returns 66% of snaps. So I'm not expecting a drop-off. You would think losing DTR, you would. This tight end room has more depth than it's had in the last couple of years. UCLA loves to put nine guys on the line of scrimmage in the box and just plow over you. So I'm not really worried about this offense whatsoever. Go to the defensive side of the ball. A lot of transfers coming in. Uh, the Murphy brothers are still there. They can run edge. Uh, linebacker is loaded with uh, recruits that they had come in through the portal. Really highly, you know, high prospect recruits that came in. And so I don't expect a drop off. And then there was the whole uh, Bill McGovern, uh, you know, their defensive coordinator passed away, RIP. Chip Kelly was able to go to the Ravens staff and pull Danton Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. He's never called plays, but I do like the hire. He's never called plays, but the correlation we can make here is that Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter have been able to swap in and out of the Ravens staff into Michigan and made Michigan's defense college football playoff worthy, and they never were before. And I'm not going to believe that it's the Michigan players because they got burned so many times by Ohio State. It was scheme. And so if you're pulling two guys separately off the Ravens staff and they did that to the Michigan defense – I have no issues with this Danton Lynn hire from the Ravens whatsoever. Uh, I expect the what happened to Michigan the last couple of years with Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter. I think that is going to be what's going to happen here. So I see a ton of positives. I see big names that have filled up the portal on the defensive side of the ball. When Dante Moore finally gets his feet under him, he's got a great quarterbacks coach. UCLA is going to rumble in this Pac-12 here. And you know what? And no one's talking about it. Yeah, well, sort of I, why I wanted to group those two teams together. I mean, it was we just talked two seconds before we started recording this. We don't share any notes ahead of time. 
I said, what is your future long shot? And you said UCLA. And then I said, Oregon state, like both have some questions on defense. We'd like the coordinator, I like coordinator, you like the coordinator higher. I agree there, but they also have quarterback upside, which is what you want when you're looking for a future in this range, right? Like more has so much talent. If he ends up being the guy, the upside there, if he hits um, is, is extreme, which is what you're looking for with that variance in the future. So good stuff there. Let's go to the six teams at the bottom of the conference, all priced 30 to one or greater. Yeah, about to get very hairy. We'll get, the, we'll get the Dion eventually. We'll start with Washington State, 30 to one, over six minus 115. I have a lot of questions with this team. Leaning under for what it's worth. Haven't pulled the trigger yet. Curious to get your thoughts. They do have two new coordinators for the second straight year. It's a little worrying. I do like where they're going with the offense. It's they brought in a guy from Western Kentucky. It's going to bring the air raid back, right? To you know his age. Just, uh, you know his- the age of the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm going to say thirty. Well, I'm trying to decipher now while you're you were asking me this. He must be younger than I thought. So I was going to say thirty three, but I'm going to say now. He's got to be low. I know he's young. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny Dillingham was standing in front of me and he's 33 years old. And I thought, man, this is the youngest coach, I think, in FBS. And then I'm come to find out Ben Arbuckle, the new offensive ben Arbuckle, coach yeah. Washington State, is 27 years old. 20, 27? 27 years old. Wow. Before I graduated high school. That's amazing. All um, right. Let's get back to Washington State. I feel so old now. But yeah, you're going to get the air raid back. And in Pullman, you're going to have more. This is going to be an offense that just takes a lot more deep shots. You're going to get the tight end more involved. Cam Ward is back at quarterback. You have Watson back at running back. you got a brand-new wide receiver room. Four or five back on the offensive line, but you have to replace your left tackle. I do have a lot of questions on defense, which is what I'm really worried about. So it's a new offensive scheme. I think it will be a, a fit for Cam Ward, and I like it. There might be some growing pains, which – you could see week one at Colorado State more on that later, but you know you're, uh, you know you have two really good edge rushers in Stone and Jackson, but you're you know you lose your top three defensive tackles, you lose a ton at linebacker. Right, Henley goes to the NFL, you lose others to the portal. Uh, major questions at one of the corner spots. So yeah, I mean, and also you did lose your top four wide receivers, but the good thing is that USC and Utah get replaced by Colorado and UCLA. Um, the non-conference got Wisconsin at home, Wisconsin revenge spot at Colorado state could be tricky. They're two touchdown favorites. And then you get Northern Colorado at home. You're at Oregon at Washington, but you also get, you know, Cal, Colorado, Stanford, Arizona state, Arizona at home. There's a lot of winnable games here. I just don't see them getting the seven wins. I show a little bit of value on the under a lot of questions about the D there might be some growing pains on offense. What are your thoughts on the Cougs? Yeah, I, the Cougs, I projected 6.5, which is right where the market is at six and a half. You can get a plus 140 on that on the over. Uh, but I have serious issues, a lot of issues that are on the offensive side of the ball. Not that I don't believe in Ben Arbuckle and his really short time as a Houston Baptist QC uh, quality control coach and then having a couple of years at Western Kentucky knowing the Zach Kitley system. I'm also sure fourth he, offense coordinator in three years, which is crazy. Fourth teams going I mean, back changes. It's crazy in Washington. Yeah, and and I think the problem with that also is that Cam Ward must be in his third or fourth offensive system after coming from Incarnate Word. Uh, so it is a lot to grasp. Plus, this team, forget you know, coordinators being new on both sides of the ball. Cam Ward loses his top four targets. 
Uh, I don't think he knows, you know, who he's going to be throwing to when we start the season off. Now, Cam Ward is very capable of producing video game numbers, both on the ground and through the air. The problem with this kid, because <laughs> man, did I love him coming in last year. This team finished 119th in Havoc allowed. I mean, it's just a, it's like a turnover waiting to happen at any second. As much as I love watching Cam Ward, as, as exciting as he is, until there is the ability to protect the football and maybe take a sack instead of throwing an INT, I'm not putting any money behind this team. Uh, and you know what? They're going to struggle at the beginning of the season with all this change. So complete pass on Washington State for me. Let's move on to Arizona. Arizona, what, five and seven last year, showed some improvement under Jed Fish. This will be the second year for him. Second year in a new system for quarterback Jaden Delora. I think he could make another jump. And the Wildcats looking for their first bowl bid since 2017. Their win total over five plus 115. You're basically betting, if you like the over, on will they get to bowl eligibility. Pac-12, 80 to one at bet MGM. The over turns a ton, although they did lose their one of their best receivers to USC. Offensive lines, their biggest question. They'll be inexperienced and young at left guard and right tackle. Also have a left their left tackles returning from injury, but it's a fairly experienced unit. As I mentioned, Singer, their wide receiver, went to USC, but I still like their uh skill position players. Um, the defense is the biggest question, but the defense was awful last year. Like, how much worse can it get? I actually like what they did in the offseason, right? They only have what, like 36 starts returning on day but they went and really hit the transfer portal i think they're bigger they're more physical i like what they did in the portal and yes you lose a lot of production but sometimes that's a good thing on defenses that really struggled so i actually think their d which will be overhauled in their 425 brand new defensive line will actually be better even with that like i said their top five tacklers are gone the lore in the second year of the system should reduce his turnovers they also should have some positive regression in the red zone. Mentioned that in the ACC episode, like Wake Forest should have some negative regression in the red zone. I think it might be the opposite with Arizona. The problem is that the schedule, like because I, I wanted to buy, I like what Arizona is building. They they should they could start off like three and one. I mean, at Mississippi State is an impossible game, but they should start off three and one, and then they you know they host Washington. But on the schedule, they do miss Oregon, but they also miss Cal. All of their easiest league games are on the road. Like that, that, that is what I hate. So, and they only have four Pac-12 home games, and they're all versus the upper half of the league, right there. So you're hosting Washington, Oregon State, UCLA, and Utah later in the year, and you know you're going to Washington State, you're going to Stanford, you're going to Colorado, you're going, you're also going to USC, which you probably lose, and you're going to Arizona State in the finale. So, yeah, those are easier opponents, but I would rather have some easy opponents at home just to, to feel more comfortable. So there's a more wide range of outcomes here. So I wanted to buy Arizona. They're my only team. I, I lean them and, and Washington overs, but not enough to pull the trigger as of right now. What are your thoughts on the Wildcats? There is a lot not just going on on the field, but there is in, increasingly more going on off the field with this team. So on the field, it's an exciting combination of Jaden Delora, you know, 29 big time throws, the 24 turnover worthy plays last year. He was pressured on 32% of dropbacks. That is a lot. Uh, but he has Jacob Cowing transferred in from UTEP last year. He averaged 2.8 yards per route run 
that's a bomb. I mean, Jacob Cowing is such a huge weapon in Pac-12 play. Offensive line is going to bring back 62%. Uh, but, you know, first off, Arizona's got to learn to – the offensive line has to learn how to protect Jaden Delora. Uh, they were 75th in pass blocking. And second off, they have to improve – from a finishing drives aspect of being 70th in the nation last year, they can move the ball up and down the field, top 25 in success rate. They can get first downs all day, but getting points up on the board has been an issue. Now, Jed Fish is a great head coach. I mean, even when I heard him talk, I was like, wow, this guy is bound to end up in the SEC or a big 10 somewhere. I mean, he's, he's uh, he's just got the personality, but there's so much going on off the field. And I'm not going to get into the incident that happened off the field with Jaden Delore when he was 17 years old, but all of that came out and was public, I believe in May, may have been March. Uh, What happened to him when he was 17 is horrific. And Jed Fish said that I'm not going to talk about it. I can't publicly comment on it. It's all legally sealed. It's never going to be reviewed. It's never going to be discussed, but it's behind us. Jaden Delora comes out to the crowd at Pac-12 Media Days and cried for 10 minutes apologizing. And if you want a gambling take, because I'm not going to give any sort of like social take on it, I never would. There's a lot on this team. There's a lot going on off the field. I I don't want anything to do with this team. I I think the program is heading in the right direction. I think Jed Fish is a great coach and he's going to get them to continue heading the right direction. But if Jaden Delora is the quarterback, there's too many turnover worthy plays still happening and he is being pressured too much and this team has not proved that they can put points up on the board when they get past the 40 yard line so it would be an under if i played them but i'm definitely not playing the over on these guys yeah a lot of distractions as you mentioned let's stay in the same state and talk arizona state and they their win total What is the Arizona State nickname? Grand Canyon State or also the Copper State? Must be some good copper mines there, which makes sense. By the way, uh, another thing on my trip out west, I was in I went to Jackson Hole, which is ridiculously expensive place. Jackson Hole Airport, the nicest airport I've ever been in, and fun fact, the only airport in the world that's inside a national park. Anyway, that's my random West, another, my second random West Coast. I think it's number one of the places to retire. It's like number one on the list of places to retire is Jackson Hole. Beautiful place. Uh, Grant Duns are awesome. But uh, let's send the same state, Arizona State. We mentioned Kenny Dillingham earlier. Oregon uh, off its corner now goes to Arizona State. Brand new staff here. Also brand new quarterback. Uh, Still a battle, I believe. Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer, and then the backup we'll get from last year. I think the skill possessions are going to be more than fine, but it, going to come down to quarterback and you know you have new schemes you got a new offense coordinator from cal poly a new defensive coordinator brian wood from washington state this is a complete overhaul i mean there's 43 new players more scholarship newcomers than returnees you know you got new head coach new quarterback new offense coordinator new defensive coordinator a lot of change here so the offense side i think might be a mess early what it's worth they're 100 to 1 to win the pack 12 win total over four and a half minus 155 Secondary is the most, I think, experienced unit on the team. Um, got some bolstered by the transfer portal as well. From a schedule perspective, eight home games. That jumps right off the page. That includes opening with four straight. You get Southern Utah, Oklahoma State, Fresno, and then USC in the conference opener. Weird things happen down there in Tempe, and they got eight home games. Do have a very tough second half of the year. The teams left off their schedule from the Pac-12, but Oregon State and Stanford, 
You have Colorado, Washington State, Arizona, three winnable league games at home. You know, you also have Southern Utah at home to start the year. So then can you, you know, win those games, pick off another, then you're over four and a half. What are your thoughts on Arizona State? Oh, a lot of negativity out there from um I'd say people I respect. The circles that I respect in the gambling community is a lot of negativity around around Dillingham and taking this position and the coordinator hires, although, uh, you know, and we could discuss that, but uh, you know, the, the roster is in such transition and such flux. Uh, this team finished 19th in the portal ranking, um, you know, and Dillingham comes in as one of the youngest head coaches in FBS goes and hires Bo Baldwin as his offensive coordinator. And, and Dillingham was very adamant and saying, I'm not touching the offense at all. This is not my offense. This is all Bo Baldwin. And if you want to know what Bo Baldwin is, Eastern Washington used to put 70 up on the board every week. And those offenses a couple of years ago that were doing that belong to Bo Baldwin. Uh, he can absolutely call offense. It is 100% his. Dillingham is not going to have anything to do with it. Not going to touch a headset, not going to touch the game plan, not going to get in on third downs. So any of these correlations we try to make from Oregon, Kenny Dillingham is not going to be a part of that. Plus there's no Bo Nix. I understand the negativity around Drew Pine. He didn't prove anything while he was at Notre Dame. The rest of this quarterback staff is completely unproven. It's kind of a collection of meh, and I get that. But there are two areas where Arizona State kind of separates themselves from the bottom of the pack in the Pac-12. One is, this is one of the easiest schedules out there, uh, you know, from a, from a Pac-12 perspective. Uh, it's not that bad. It's an easier schedule than, say, Colorado or Cal, if you're looking, if you're going in comparison. Uh, and then the other part is their transfers that they got through the portal are proven. They have a top 20 transfer portal class. Some of the other programs don't really have that. This is an extremely low win total. It is not hard to get to four wins on this schedule. Southern Utah, Oklahoma State's coming out. What's the heat going to be in Tempe when that game happens? We, there's, I have a lot of questions about Oklahoma State. Fresno State, same situation. A lot of new offense at Fresno State. That is the whole thing about Arizona State's beginning of their schedule. Their first three games are against offenses that are completely going under changes, Southern Utah included. So this is going to be easy to get over four and a half. I like over four and a half wins here. I project them at five. Yeah, new defense coordinator Brian Ward from Washington State. Expect a lot of five defensive back sets, aggressive nickel. And that's the third. They can run that because they have a really strong secondary. That's the strength of the team, which really helps in the Pac-12. And a lot of two linebacker sets, you bring Brown in at linebacker from Pullman. So um, you get a defensive end back from injury. I love Torrance. So, yeah, I think that the defense might be better than some expect. And eight home games in Tempe, that's important. So it yeah. looks like uh, it's over nothing for sure. I would agree there. Let's talk about a team that we agree on and under, and that is the Cal Bears. Cal, 66 to 1 to win the Pac 12. Total at Bet MGM over 5.5 plus 120. Your boy, Spavital, <laughs> uh, Jake Spavital comes in and takes over as the offensive coordinator. A little big, big change. Air raid up tempo for this offense. Big Looks change. like the quarterback will be Sam Jackson, a dual threat from TCU. You, know, you got Ott, Ott in the backfield that returns, but the rest is uh, a mess on offense, and this this offense could struggle once again. There's also questions on defense. Maybe you get Brett Johnson back and healthy, and he 
returns to form. Um, you know, they secondary will depend on a lot of transfer additions, you know, but uh, this team's a mess. They also don't have Colorado or Arizona on the schedule. Brutal road league schedule. They play at Washington, at Utah, at Oregon, at Stanford, and at UCLA. Oh, by the way, they also play USC and Oregon State at home. They also play Auburn at home. First ever meeting Auburn, with the yeah. uh, first ever meeting with an SEC team. Polar opposite, the, the most polar opposite schools and cultures and political views and tailgates uh, if you could ever imagine. Auburn and Cal, um, and they're the only team in the Pac-12 that plays the top six projected teams in the league. Uh, plus, they only have four home games. Uh, this, I think, Wilcox is a lame duck. This is his last year. I can't see this team getting the six wins. It's under for me. Agree. This is an absolute under for me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I have probably Jake Spavital coming in, didn't work out as Texas State head coach. Uh, he's got two. Who is your boy? Who is your boy at Texas State that one for that one two week stretch? Vit. Remember Vit? Yeah. Was yeah, that Tyler. his name? Yeah. Tyler yeah. Vit. Yeah. 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 Boy, it was fun. That, they, that was Tyler, not, that was one of your favorite. My most we all had some hilariously wrong takes, but your Texas State take that year was great. I, I actually then had them I was romanticizing them like a year or two later geez if I remember right there was a 35 and a half point spread against Texas A&M in the opener and some guy caught a pass on his butt in the end zone to cover that 35 and it landed on 35 so that, no and that's I how- had 34 and a half so oh. it was even worse and they like went for two or missed the extra point or something oh uh, yeah we'll get to right, Texas so State spam- eventually <laughs> spam it all is here running offense he's got to improve an offense that was outside the top 100 success rate uh, they were in the bottom half of FBS when it comes to Havoc allowed. Now you got Sam Jackson coming in to play quarterback. King DeRue transfers in. Uh, they were 17th in the portal ranking, so they do have some names coming in, but they've never been able to nationally recruit um, to this program whatsoever. I was a little, I was, I was kind of, I didn't know what to do with these guys uh, considering, you know, Spavadol coming in. I did like Peter Sermon when they hired him as defensive coordinator, but they went 128th in defensive success rate and 125th in Havoc. They generated nothing last year. Now they get 69% of the defense back. I don't see this improving at all for them whatsoever. The schedule is brutal, but what really put the nail in the coffin is that an unnamed coach told me that there is a reason where at where did the Sunday coach tell you this at Pac 12 Media Days? Ding, ding, there ding. is a reason Sam Jackson was extremely limited in his play for TCU. Now, think about it. So, Sam Jackson's coming in at quarterback, he was third string, depends on where you put Chandler Morris last year at TCU. And there were a lot of games where TCU was up by more than four scores, and you just didn't see a lot of action out of Sam Jackson. I mean, we finally saw him in the opener against Colorado, but think about it. Of all the big leads they had, you never really saw him come in and take any snaps. And the word on the street that I guess is finally starting to get around is that Sam Jackson is not ready for this starting quarterback position whatsoever. Um, from learning the playbook, from um, – you know, a grasp of the offense, <laughs> taking a snap and knowing which way to turn. Uh, the kid's electric. We all, no one disagrees. Just go watch film of things that he did for the Horned Frogs. But his grasp of Spavadol's offense is a huge, huge issue right now. And it's going to be when they start camp under five, no issues playing it. This team is not getting to six with the schedule. Agreed. Um, let's move to another team that should be a mess. 
with a brand new head coach <laughs> and Troy Taylor, the offensive coordinator, who's tasked basically with fixing this offense. Talking about the Stanford Cardinal, 250 to 1 to win the Pac 12. My, how they have fallen off the face of the earth. Win total over two and a half, minus Ooh. 130. Mind you, they play at Hawaii to start the year and they're 10 point favorites. Uh, and they have Sacramento State at home. Those are two of their first three games. And their win total is two and a half. I wanted to bet the under. I don't think I can get there. Maybe you can get to get there. This team's just a mess. I mean, they have six returning starters total. They have new schemes on both sides of the ball. They're 131st in experience. They also can't, they're limited in what they can do in the portal as of right now. They basically lose everything in the secondary. They have 15 career offensive line starts returning. Uh, They're going to lean on their tight end and they have a, an FIU transfer who I like. I mean, there is not a quarterback battle between three guys here. Uh, they avoid Utah and Arizona State. They technically have like five winnable games in the schedule, but I can't go under because this team's going to be a mess. I mean, they have the least power five returning production too. Like, because you look at Hawaii, they're obviously going to be like 10 point favorites, even though I like why Hawaii could easily win that game. Sac State at home, you know, Arizona at home, at Colorado. And then Cal at home, and we don't like Cal. So, like, this team stinks. They're a mess, but I can't go under two and a half. What are your thoughts? First off, I love Troy Taylor. Uh, and Sac State, probably, boy. Yeah, he was probably one of the nicest uh, people I've met in my travels. Where at? I would, I was a Pac 12 media day. Oh, nice. I, I would. <laughs> I would venture to say that the team will be 100% prepared and probably at a bargain value against Sacramento State, Troy Taylor's old team. He's going to know how to prep for those kids. He, he ran them through the FCS playoffs. He has a really nice offense that he had. We have backed the bees on our podcast multiple times. We were backing Troy Taylor. He's going to be excellent for Stanford in time, but you can't take what Sacramento State did at the FCS level and the offensive schemes they ran and bring it to David Shaw's old offense with the size of their offensive lineman that he recruited, with the tight ends that are you know in line versus out in the slot. There's just a lot of differences between those two offenses, and you're not going to be able to pull this off overnight. The problem with the win total also is that the very first win total that I hit was Stanford under three back in April or May. That's two and a half. That's a big difference. They should beat Sacramento State. He knows everything about them. That's a win, right? There's one. Where's your other two? Hawaii, Colorado, doable, completely doable. So I can't tell everybody to go hit under two and a half, although. Could easily beat Cal at home too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to give you anybody a ring endorsement to go take an over on the team. I do like Troy Taylor. It's going to come. I would say rather wait for an underdog spot and take them as an underdog. You're You're going to bet Sanford week two at USC? No, but I'm going to bet them against uh, uh, Sacramento State. I mean, think about it, right? If Hawaii – You're going to bet them as an underdog role. They're not going to bet them against USC. You're going to bet them against Sac State. Just conflicted everything you just said. You're going to get a good number. Hawaii – They can get in the back door against USC. If Timmy Chang shows the pulse and Hawaii wins and then USC wins by 42 or 49 – you're going to get a hell of a number against Sacramento State. In yes, week. agreed. And I think Hawaii is going to beat uh, Stanford in week one, for what it's worth. All right, let's move on to the team. Say the best for last, the team that everyone wants to know what everyone's takes are on. Uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, Neon Dion, Zim Boulder. There he is, 
is right there. <laughs> Coach Prime, look at him. What did you expect? I love it. A complete overhaul. I mean, what did they bring in? 40 transfers, 20 freshmen. They also lost about the same amount to the portal. This is a team that was a disaster last year. They went one and eleven. Just everything went wrong. Everything was bad across the board. This is a brand new team, though. Like they, I could be like, ah, oh, there was some regression here. It's just a brand new team. They uh, they bring in lots of transfers. They lose a lot of guys. Um, his son is going to take over at quarterback. Three hundred to one on the Heisman. If you want to grab his son, yeah, three hundred to one on the Heisman. All but three offensive starters are brand new. The offensive line major questions the defense obviously major questions you know they do have like two five-star kids at cornerback but not sure that they're ready to dominate yet like what Dion did and I like the hire for Colorado and yes I think that they compared to what they where they were going he has a shot um you know over time to get this program back to uh, relevancy but it's it's not going to happen this year uh for what it's worth Pac-12 100 to 1 at Bet MGM, might as well just take a $100 bill and light it on fire if you wanted to bet it. Win total over three and a half plus 120. It's, there's just the, I like the, the coordinator hires. I'll tell you that. With Sean Lewis, I'm a big fan of, but there's so many issues with this team. What does Sean Lewis want to do? Flash fast, wants to play as fast as possible. What's a bad thing that you could do when you're, when you're undermanned and outgunned? Is try to play as fast as possible. You kind of want to reduce the number of possessions. So, yep. Um, you know, what Dion did at Jackson State was amazing, but he was getting a lot of guy can recruit, can build relationships. He was getting like FBS kids to come play an FCS team. That's not the case here, right? Um, and this this program was in such a mess that it's not going to be a quick turnaround. So uh, but there's a ton of it, there's a ton of uncertainty. There's like how are all these pieces gonna fit together? It's definitely a more talented team on the surface. I do have questions about the depth uh across the board. The teams that they don't play, Washington and Cal. Um, another problem is, I mean, the schedule's hard, as it has been for Colorado for years. Two of their easiest opponents on the schedule, Colorado State at home and Stanford at home, both those teams are coming off of a bye. That doesn't do them any favors. They start at TCU, the three touchdown underdogs, and they're Nebraska at home, Colorado State at home, and then it's just like at Oregon, USC. They do have Stanford at home. So, like, you're over three and a half. Like, here's, here's your path. It's like, can you beat – can you upset Nebraska week two? Sure. Can you beat Colorado State week three? Yeah. And then you're going to have to, like, you beat Stanford, and then you pick off Arizona, especially if they're a mess. There's your four wins. The, but this is this number has come down. Under three and a half is juice. I still lean that way. Don't love it as much as I did, uh, especially with all the uncertainty around this roster. But – um, this this is a team that's probably going to finish three and nine, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on Colorado and Dion? Well, being flashy like this comes with a price, and I'm glad Coach Prime is an FBS. I'm glad he's at Colorado. I'm kind of glad that Colorado is going to the Big Twelve because you're going to put Commissioner Brett Yormark with with you know Coach Prime. That's going to be some fireworks. Uh, you know, get your seats now for Big Twelve Media Days next year. I expect to be great. When I walk into a room and it's 72 degrees, when I get there, it's going to be 70. I expect to make change. I, I think when you're this flashy and you have this much change in your roster and you just exude confidence like this, 
you're going to piss off other coaches. You're and you're hunted. You're hunted by every team. You, that you should be the hunter as a team that was just one and 11, losing every game by 60. I, I talked to 11 of the 12 coaches on the schedule. Where at? And I, at, at, at multiple media days. So I, if you look at the schedule, I'm multiple. Um, one coach off the record said it's circled and we want to kick his ass. And he wasn't the only one that had those sentiments. So your flashiness and what you've done through the portal and breaking college football, you've pissed a lot of people off. And listen, I don't, this is probably year zero. It's probably never going to be this bad for for Dion ever again. Um, he just doesn't it's a complete an utter overhaul. Complete. Complete. And and you're right. When you made that Sean Lewis comparison, because at Kent State, right, flash fast. We want to be the fastest in the nation. But you don't have anything on the defensive side of the ball to get any stops. Who was the team last year that had that exact same problem? Oklahoma. It was a dumpster fire, right? You can't go that fast when that's what you have on defense. You have to limit possessions. So, yes, this is going to be a dumpster fire. And the offenses that I'm looking at on the schedule that have the ability to kick their ass are going to kick their ass. And it's not going to be pretty. You're going to see a couple of head coaches in the fourth quarter up by 40 still trying to score. Billy Napier style, right? Billy Napier who's killed a few of my unders because he's running tempo with two minutes left in the game. I think we're going to see some of that on this schedule this year. So I'm glad you're here, Dion. But, you know, this is FBS and you've wrinkled uh, some feathers here and you're going to have to pay for it. There's two Kent State offensive linemen on, on the offensive line here. Yeah, that's, that's not going to cut that's, it. That's, that's, that's tough. Macro <laughs> linemen in the power five. So am I suggesting to play an under? No, I'm not. Because, Tuck, you laid out the path of where they can get some wins. Here is where we usually play these teams. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of X factors. There's a lot of I don't have any chemistry with my teammates. I don't have any chemistry with my coach. By the time November rolls around and I see Arizona and Washington State on this schedule, those are two games where I think Colorado stock will be their lowest and will be a chance for them to come up and grab a win. So I'm putting Colorado on pause, but I will tell you TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, USC to start the first five games of the season. I can't see a scenario where I'm not playing an over. Now I'm holding back on week one because everybody's freaked out about this clock thing, right? And totals across the board are getting hit under. There's some services out there. They're going to release overs and at some point. So mark your calendars for about August 23rd-ish. And I think all the understeam on these first week one games, these week zero games is going to come to a halt. And you're going to start to see some playback on the over. Colorado every week is going to be an overplay for me, at least from a team total over on the team that they're playing. That includes Nebraska, right? That includes teams. I don't even know what offensive identity they're going to throw out there. But the problem is this defense is going to be horrific. And this offense is going to be lost. And some coaches are going to want to take it out on prime. And that's what you're going to see this year. Nebraska team total over. That is, that's, a, that's a two against <laughs> the, the Colorado defense. Uh, that means you must really like that angle. All right. Um, mm-hmm. With the way Nebraska wants to play this year. All right. Um, good stuff there. Before we do close up shop on this episode, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right, as we'll do for all of our Power 5 betting preview episodes, and by the way, we will have 11 total college football betting conference preview episodes, two for the SEC, 
And then our group of five guys, Mike and Mike, will host the group of five, five group of five episodes, and either Colin or I will join for each of those. We will have Colin on the episodes Colin and I do. We have the same format. First down, we'll talk a week zero, week one angle that we like of related to that league. Then week two, excuse me, second down, we will talk an over or future. And then third down, we will talk an under. So let's start with first down. Week one angle, I think I already spoiled mine. Uh, Colorado State, two touchdowns are better at home against Washington State. Mentioned some of the reasons why I think Washington State might be a bit overvalued. And I think especially early on, you might see some growing pains on both sides of the ball. And I think Colorado State could be a bit more improved than the market implies here early on. We'll get to some of that in the Mountain West episode. And as we get closer to week zero and week one, so I'll go with the Rams it's weird because you had like a, a new air raid last year with Colorado State. Now you're going to have like a new air raid this year. And then in week, the first game, I think Colorado State will benefit from that. Year two, Washington State might have some growing pains early on. You're catching two touchdowns against a defense that has a lot of holes to fill from losses of last year. Colin, what are you uh, looking at for week zero, week one, Pac-12 related? Norvell's got a lot of new pieces on offense. Go ahead and check the uh, action app. I got a game of the year in there that involves a Pac-12 team. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, I had two in here. I, I already mentioned game of the year line. I'm taking Oregon State plus seven and a half in the Civil War against Oregon. Oregon State is going to dominate defensive front sevens that cannot stop the run. And that is a serious problem for Oregon. So I'm going to take the points now. A game that, I don't know, could be three and a half, four, depends on how Oregon season goes. We'll see how injuries go by the time that gets around. If I had to do a week one line, I would tell everybody, I know it's not comfortable, but that Florida-Utah line right now as we record is at eight and a half. I expect that thing to close about six and a half, six when that camerizing news comes down. I It will dip below seven. And we're a month out, I think, from kick. So, you know, that if you need a week, week zero, week one line, um, if you can handle it, if you can stomach it, take Florida. You can come back on Utah because it's going to dip below seven. Yeah, I would agree with that. The market, uh, from things that you said uh, early on in this episode, and then you could also just see the market moving in that direction, and it will likely continue to do so. By the way, Colorado State, Tory Horton, can't wait to watch him this year. All right, let's go second down, either an over or a future. Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. I'm going to throw out the 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 over. I haven't bet any overs in the Pac-12 yet. I, I just I trust DeBoer in that Washington offense. Think the defense will be improved. Not I don't the number. I'm not my numbers aren't quite there for me to bet it. But if I were to bet one over in the Pac-12, it would be Washington. But I'll throw out a future on Oregon State. And you know you run get eleven to one. I think twelve to one you could find out there. We're going to have an elite offensive line. I don't think the defensive losses are as bad. It's good. They're going to take a step back on defense, but I don't think they're as bad as some are implying. And mainly, this is just a bet on two things. If DJU hits his upside, the talent is there, new change of scenery, new scheme. If he hits his upside with that schedule, you know, all of their hardest games are at home, that Reeser, then there's going to be an opportunity for Oregon State to find its way to the Pac-12 championship game. So give me the Beavers. How about you, over or future that you want to mention in the Pac-12? 
Let's do a future. Let's do UCLA 16 to one. There's 14 to one in the market. Go ahead and grab that too. The reason why the number is so inflated is because there's so much turnover going on at the skill positions. Quarterback Colin Schley comes in from Kent State. Garbers is still there. And then Dante Moore, the freshman everything, the blue chip that, you know, could be Caleb Williams-esque on the other side of town here is going to be taking the reins in at some point. They absolutely reloaded at skill positions. They went and got Carson Steele running back from the Mac. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have really filled a ton of holes that they have. And their defensive coordinator, even though that he has passed away, they have dipped into the Ravens staff, the Baltimore Ravens staff to pull Danton Lynn, who's going to be calling plays for the first time ever. But if there's a correlation to what Michigan has done with clicking coaches from the Ravens staff, this UCLA defense should be just fine. Back on the offensive side of the ball, we've never worried about UCLA offense when they've had Ryan Gunderson at the quarterback coach position. Give me a team that nobody's talking about, nobody's expecting. Everybody's really hot on USC and Washington, but UCLA is right there with them. I have them projected within one conference win of all the big boys here in this conference. So take them to win the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, another team with a quarterback who, if he gets a shot and the upside hits, they're certainly going to be much better than expected another which is what you're something you're looking for when you take these semi-long shot futures preseason all right finally one last task to get to and that's third down uh your favorite under if we might agree here i'm going under cal offense to still be a mess under new offensive coordinator with a new quarterback eh, the defense could be okay but the schedule is just brutal they're the only team in the pac-12 that plays all six of the top projected teams in the league throwing a home game against Auburn as well. I just do not see this team getting to six wins under Cal. Colin? Under for Cal for me on the defensive side of the ball, Peter Sermon did not make any headway in improving a defense that finished third to last in success rate. And this is not the year to have questions to be inexperienced in the Pac-12 because the yeah. rest of the offenses in this conference can absolutely hum under five for Cal. Wouldn't even shock me if they lost at North Texas in week one, <laughs> and then you'd be sitting really pretty with that win total. All right, that'll do it for us. Really fun episode. Been a blast as always, Colin. It's good to be back. We will have many more college football betting preview episodes leading right up to week zero, which will be here before we know it. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our producers on the back end. Thanks, of course, once again to all of you. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a review, a five-star review. They really help us out. We'll do a bunch of giveaways for anyone that leaves one throughout the preseason and regular season. So if you already left one, just grab someone else's phone, your girlfriend, boyfriend, or friend, or mom, whoever. Leave a review. They really help us out, especially early in the season. Uh, it's time for us to keep on grinding, but that'll do it for this episode. We will catch y'all later. Cheers. He's out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.